0: keeping you informed and inspired. We love God, we ought to be able to talk
1: about Him. Getting you started on your day.
2: With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious,
1: it's fun, it's
3: your Catholic Drive
2: Time.
1: Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ, welcome back
0: to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So going to be on with you on this uh, Wednesday, December the 21st, 2022, on the feast day of St. Peter. Canisius, priest doctor of the church saint peter pray for us we have a lot to cover today uh even though rudy carlos is not here he's on vacation let's pray for his travels with his uh, family back to california Uh, but nonetheless we have a lot to cover it's going to be a great show today border crisis title 42 coming to an end Hmm. The Biden administration wants to delay that till after Christmas. We've invited Randy Clark on from Breitbart to catch us up on the story at the border. What is going on there? Why? Why aren't the border states enforcing that? I mean, what what is actually happening? What can we expect? All that and much, much more Uh, since the federal government won't do it. Who's going to? That's the question. Randy Clark joins us at thirty five past the hour. Hey, did you hear that parents apparently do not have a right to know what their children and their children's schools are discussing in relation to their sex change. Yeah, it's a world gone trans, and there's a bishop speaking out about it. We're going to be conversating about that at 15 past the hour. David L. Gray is back on the program at the top of the next hour. Uh, it seems that Sanford, I'm talking Ivy League schools here, are co-opting the English language and dumbing down America. We're going to have that conversation with David L. Gray. Do join us if you can. The Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled on Monday in a two to one decision that the Biden administration cannot enforce its COVID vaccine mandate on federal contractors. Praise be to God. I think that's good news. And uh, the Second Circuit Court, uh, speaking of courts, they ruled in favor that two biological males athletes are, I guess, allowed to compete in girls sports. That's a bad thing. Like, so, you know, some good news, some bad news there. Hey, a charity volunteer worker in Birmingham, England, was uh, quietly, silently praying out in front of an abortion clinic and was arrested for doing so. She wasn't speaking out loud. She was just quietly and silently praying, and she was arrested. That's no good. And speaking of the U.K., uh, support, I don't know if you caught this. I'm sure that you, like me, pay very close attention and what happens back in the mother country. In Scotland... Scottish independence is up f- to 56% now among Scottish people, yeah, and yet 16-year-olds are now allowed to change their gender legally there. So I think it's time for a reconquista back in Scotland. Adrian, what
1: do you say? A reconquista? You'd have to say yeah. it in Gaelic, though. Yeah. You'd have, you, yeah. we couldn't, you couldn't do it in I Spanish.
0: Know. I know. They're not going to let me in. Unless what we
1: do yeah. is we send mm-hmm. the Spaniards <laughs> to fix Ireland. <laughs> I see then we can call I it a see. Reconquista. I see where you're going. I like this idea. Yeah. I'm glad
0: you thought of it. So uh, what, Spanish missionaries to Scotland, Does that even is that a thing? Do they exist still?
1: Uh, well, mm. you know, I think we so. We might need I to start so. with
0: Spain first.
1: I think what we need to do first is yeah. figure out, we have, we have the uh, the uh, warring factions for yeah. the kingdom yeah. of Spain mm-hmm. and have them battle it out. I see, Of course, they're both very old, so it would be a very awkward, uh, awkward. battle. Yeah. But they, we have two claimants to the throne of Spain. We do. And we just make them fight. Well, oh, And the winner will then send s- missionaries to Scotland. No. I think that's what it should rock, be. Rock,
0: paper, scissors. We'll get this done in seconds when we can move on.
1: Well, they're both like eighty, so if more, rock, paper, scissors would probably be a, a better ideal. Scotland is
0: at stake here. We don't have time to waste on fighting, on wars. No, 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 no. Rock, paper, scissors... Uh, draw the shortest straw, Joe. You know
1: what's wrong with, uh, uh, with Scotland? Arm re- thumb wrestling. We could thumb wrestle. They're eighty. They could thumb wrestle. You, Joe, you know what really is the problem with Scotland? What's the real problem with Scotland? The real problem with Scotland mm-hmm. was that they all decided they looked to each other. Mm-hmm. One might say they looked to the left, okay, and then they looked to the right, yeah, and they said uh, they can never take our freedom, <laughs> I, and then they became mm, libertarianism, the, <laughs> and then they accepted all of liberalism. They're um, like freedom, freedom. So I'm pretty here sure we are.
0: that started with. Uh, uh Mr Knox actually started that process of going away from truth and gr- towards greater error and it's they've never looked back since. Which Knox?
1: Uh, uh, John Knox. You ever heard or of John him? Knox? Yeah. I was thinking Cardinal Knox, and I was like, what? No, what, what you got against Cardinal no, Knox, not man? Not him, not okay, him, John okay, Knox. The I was Calvinist. Like, is also, isn't he an Englishman? The Calvinist. <laughs> okay, okay. My friend, okay, The
0: Calvinist. Yeah. Wrong Knox.
1: Wrong. wrong, wrong Knox. The, this is. Speaking of hard Knox, let's
0: pray. Let's get into it. We have a lot to cover today. Do uh, share us with a friend in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come. Before thee I stand sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy. Hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. Now your headlines with yours truly according to the Epic Times, the Biden administration asked Supreme Court to delay the end of Title 42 until after Christmas. This comes after the Supreme Court agreed on Monday to the emergency request of 19 Republican led states to reverse the lower court's decision to end Title 42, which was set to happen on Wednesday. The stay is administrative and not based on the merits of the case. The Title 42 emergency public health policy was invoked in March 2020, allowing border agents to block asylum claims at the U.S. border on the grounds of keeping contagious diseases out of the United States amid the COVID-19 pandemic. Breitbart reports the Twitter files whew, hot and heavy. Not only are they taking payments from the FBI to cover up certain bad looking information for the current administration and, uh, and whatnot, but now... The company apparently allowed the government, the U.S. government, to wage psyops. What's going on here? Twitter gave approval and special protection to the U.S. military's online psychological influence ops, according to the report. Despite knowledge that Pentagon propaganda accounts used covert identities, Twitter did not suspend uh, many of these for around two years or more, and some of them remain active today. In fact, giving them automatic verified status So that they could uh, run disinformation campaigns overseas mostly, but maybe here too? Who knows? A LifeSite reports half of all U.S. governors urged Biden to end national COVID emergency. In a December the 19th letter, the governors pointed out that the emergency phase of the pandemic is behind us and that nearly three years have passed since the federal government declared the public health emergency. The letter was led by New Hampshire Republican Governor Chris Sununu and signed by another 24 governors, including Ron DeSantis of Florida, Greg Abbott of Texas, Kristi Noem of North Dakota, and Glenn Youngkin of Virginia. Speaking of Twitter, The Daily Wire is reporting that Elon Musk is in fact stepping down as the CEO of Twitter. Twitter CEO Elon Musk said Tuesday that he is going to step down from his role at the company. Musk's announcement comes after he conducted a poll at the start of the week asking Twitter users if he should step down as the head of Twitter. The poll lasted 12 hours and had over 17 million votes with uh, 57.5% voting yes that Musk should step down while 42.5% voted no. Musk said that he will resign as CEO as soon as he finds someone foolish enough to take the job. After that, he's just going to run the software and server teams. There you go, uh, Adrian. Uh, job opening at Twitter. I'm applying. You should. I already did. And those are your headline news.
1: The same of the day. Well, I got two for you. The first is Blessed Adrian of Dalmacia. Oh, yes. Blessed Adrian. Pray for us. And St. Peter Cancius. St. Adrian, or Blessed Adrian rather, was a Dominican who was martyred by Muslims among, along with his other companions in the 13th century. Not much else is known about his life. St. Peter Cancius was one of the most important figures in the Catholic Reformation in Germany. He played a, such a, role, a key role that he was often called the second apostle of Germany in that his life parallels the earlier work of Boniface. Although Peter once accused himself of idleness in his youth, he could not have been idle for too long, for at the age of 19 he received a master's degree from the University of Cologne. Soon afterwards he met Peter Faber, the first disciple of Ignatius of Loyola, who influenced Peter so much that he joined the recently formed Society of Jesus, or the Jesuits. At this early age, Peter had already taken up a practice he continued throughout the rest of his life, a process of study, reflection, prayer, and writing. After his ordination in 1546, he became widely known for his additions to the writings of St. Cyril of Alexandria and St. Leo the Great. Besides this reflective literary bent, Peter had a zeal for the apostolate. He could often be found visiting the sick or in prison, even when his assigned duties in other areas were more than enough to keep most people Fully occupied. In 1547, Peter was attended several sessions of the Council of Trent, whose decrees he, he would later assign to he was later assigned to implement. After a brief teaching assignment at the Jesuit College at Messina, Peter was entrusted with the mission to Germany. From that point on in his life, he taught in several universities and was instrumental in establishing many colleges and seminaries. He wrote a catechism that explained the Catholic faith in a way that common people could understand. A great need in that age. Renowned as a popular preacher, Peter packed churches with those eager to hear his eloquent preaching. He had great diplomatic ability, often serving as a reconciler between disputing factions. In his letters, filling eight volumes, one finds words of wisdom and counsel to people in all walks of life. At times, he wrote unprecedented letters of criticisms to, learn, to leaders of the church, yet always in the context of a loving, sympathetic concern. At 70, Peter suffered a paralytic seizure, but he continued to preach and write with the aid of a secretary until his death in his hometown of Nijemen, Netherlands, of December 21, 1597. Blessed Adrian of Dalmatia and St. Peter Cancius, pray,
0: for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 45. Mary set out in those days and traveled to the hill country in haste, to a town of Judah, where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the infant leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Ghost, cried out in a loud voice and said, most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And How does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, St. Ambrose would say the angel, when he announced the hidden mysteries to the Virgin, that he might build up her faith by an example related to her, the conception of a barren woman. When Mary heard it, it was not that she disbelieved the oracle or was uncertain about the messenger or doubtful of the example. But rejoicing in the fulfillment of her wish and cons- conscientious in the observance of her duty, she gladly went forth into the hill country. For what could Mary now, filled with the Holy Ghost, plain Odeo, but ascend into the higher parts with haste? Close quote, St. Ambrose. Let me encourage you to go back and compare. Do the parallels between Second uh, Samuel 6 and this passage, uh, basically going from the Annunciation of John the Baptist through the Annunciation of Our Lady all the way into the, into the presentation in the temple, you should do the parallels between that and 2 Samuel 6. You basically come away with a, a profound understanding of who Our Lady is in uh, salvation history. And the fact that a barren woman receives this miracle that would speak volumes to Our Lady. She, of course, would know the implications there. The Venerable Bee would say, Mary is blessed by Elizabeth with the same words as before by Gabriel to show that she was to be reverenced both by men and angels. The Greek expositor Severus says, Christ is stated to be the fruit of the womb, for all fruit is of the same nature with the tree that bears it. It remains then that the Virgin was also of the same nature with the second Adam, who takes away the sins of the world. But lest those also who invent curious fictions concerning the flesh of Christ blush when they hear of the real childbearing of the mother of God, for the fruit itself proceeds from the very substance of the tree, whereto are those who say that Christ passed through the virgin as water through an aqueduct. Let these consider these words of Elizabeth, who was filled with the Holy Ghost, that Christ was the fruit of the womb. It follows, And whence is this to me? that the mother of my Lord should come to me." Wow, there's so much more that could be said here. But Our Lady is the Ark of the New Covenant. She is the Gibi Ra, the Queen Mother, and she has a very unique position in salvation history. And we should ponder that today. Hey, we'll be right back. A world gone trans, so much to say. Don't go anywhere, Catholic Drive Time's coming
4: up next. Hope. The Catholic Encyclopedia has much to say about hope. Going online to newadvent.org, we see hope explained as the desire and expectation of future good. Each of us prays and looks to the situations and events of our lives with a desire and expectation that something good awaits us. We pray for the ultimate good, a close and intimate relationship with God. During Advent, we also look to the prophecy candle of hope. The prophet Isaiah foretold of the coming of Jesus. As Christians, we must stay firm in our expectation of goodness, for our salvation lies in seeing goodness in people and focusing on our relationship with God. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is now. Like a guiding star in the night, hope is born as we turn our desires and expectations to God. This has been a bit of Catholic encouragement from Michael Gisande. I turned from a recreational drug user to a drug addict. That took me to my knees. I lost a family,
5: almost two families. I lost friends. Now that I'm back in the Catholic Church, I'm a new person. I love it. I love it. My heart's there. I took communion after 18 years, and I, the rest of the Mass I sat and cried. God restored my life. God restored my
2: family. God restored my love. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today.
0: Be the Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So going to be on with you. A border crossings are up 255% from a year ago. It's a big deal. We're going to be having that conversation at 35 past the hour with Randy Clark from Breitbart. Stick around for that if you can. There are lots of stories in the news that are a great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. You know what's not a great concern? June Barra's birthday. birthday, Happy birthday, June. A long-time CDT insider, hanging out with us almost every day, and uh, it is his birthday. So please do share uh, a prayer if you could pray for June and his family today. That'd be a fantastic birthday gift. But there are lots of stories in the news that are of great concern to me, and I'm sure they are to you as well. And here is one. There's several stories. Like for instance, I don't know if you caught this commercial. I'm not going to play it for you. It's too disturbing, in my opinion. But J&B whiskey, are you a whis- do you drink whiskey? I don't drink whiskey. I used to. I'm glad I don't anymore. Praise be to God. But J&B whiskey, I've never had their product. I have no idea if it's any good or not. But apparently, they released a, a brand new commercial in time for Christmas that has gone full full crazy, full woke. They have a, a scene here of like a sort of a rural farm like family, a sheep herding family, and grandpas doing his due diligence, looking at various makeup products. You know, how do they work? He's putting on makeup. You're starting to wonder what is going on here with Grandpa. Turns out he's only doing his research because he wants to help his grandson, who wants to come out at the Christmas dinner as trans. This is a whiskey company doing this. How does whiskey have anything to do with this? I don't know either, other than going for those woke, credible, uh, you know, credit points, the credit score. You want to have a street cred that says you have gone woke, you are embracing the culture, and uh, apparently that sells more. I don't know if people buy more whiskey as a result of that, but it is truly bizarre, truly, truly bizarre that we're living in a day and age when you are passing down that patrimony from grandfather to father to son—
1: is passing down makeup suggestions. That's perverse. That's pretty perverse. Yeah, Don't. Joe, the other thing about it when I watched it, because you uh, forced me to watch it, and I, didn't. I had to bleach Rudy my did. eyes. Rudy did. I chose not to watch it after he <laughs> sent it, and Joe was like, you know, you need to watch that. We're gonna talk about that tomorrow. I was like, All right, fine, I'll watch it. <laughs> and then I immediately had to bleach my eyes afterwards. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah. the, the thing is, look, mm-hmm. uh, because of our our YouTube overlords, I will not say that this is grooming. <laughs> but anyway, the uh, <laughs> you won't say I won't words. say those words. I okay, will not I say see. that that was grooming. So this is, okay, that's something it. I will not say. Understood. But the other thing is, that you you watch and you mm-hmm. come away thinking, oh my goodness, that yeah. that grandpa is a pedophile. It's pretty. And you come away bad. and you think yeah. that like it's. It, I don't think it, it, there, it's a propaganda piece, but it fails <laughs> yeah, exactly. because you watch it and you're like, that is the. And maybe some people yeah. um, on the left are like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. great. But if you have any sort of common sense, you're looking at that. And I was just had a, a permanent face of disgust the whole, yeah. the whole video. 100%. Talk about
0: disinformation campaigns. Tell me that's not a disinformation. Tell me that's not a psyop. I mean, Twitter and the, the U.S. Uh, federal government were uh, hand in glove in manipulating information, suppressing certain information. They were, as the report states today, The Pentagon was running PSYOP campaigns through Twitter, and Twitter signed off and cooperated the whole way. This is also sort of a disinformation PSYOP campaign. It's changing and manipulating the hearts in a perverse way. It's not good. But wait, there's more. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, there's more. It turns out that parents apparently don't have a right to know what their kids and their kids' schools are discussing when it comes to sex changes. Parents can be completely left out of the program, according to a recent uh, hearing on Capitol Hill uh, between uh, Texas Rep. Michael Cloud and uh, CEO and Executive Director of Inside Out Youth Services,
2: Jesse Pocock. Can you play that clip, Adrian? Young people. But, uh, you know, do parents have a right? Should they be informed about what's going on? Do they have a right to know what's going on in their kids' lives?
1: So
6: I think, again, those of us who are protecting and supporting young people are there and trusted with the information of the things that they are dealing with. In terms of parents' rights to know at schools, I mean, here in Colorado, parents don't have the right. If a young person is questioning their gender or their
7: sexuality there okay. are laws in place that say that they have the right to process that with their trusted counselor so, so you do, and so forth uh,
2: you do a significant amount of your work with kids even starting at age 13. yeah uh, what what would be the age of consent then in your in your mind
6: uh, in our community the age of consent to mental health therapy is 12 years old so we have laws that enable young people to connect with trusted adults who can support them. That is just so important. It prevents suicide.
0: So- Isn't that insane? Parents do not have a right to know. And I only played you a small clip of that exchange because they actually, the, the the congressman has to keep going back and forth. Like, hold on, you keep avoiding the question, do parents have a right to know? She ducks it, she ducks it, she ducks it, and he keeps after her. And finally, she says, listen, in Colorado, parents do not have a right to know what their kids and their kids' schools are discussing when it comes to, to sex change. That is that is troubling. That should that should give you a pause. You should stop and ponder that. If you don't think there is a war for the souls of your children and for society at large, you need to wake up because The day is dark and it is long in the tooth at this point, but it gets worse. Oh, yes, there is more. In fact, here is an article out of the Daily Wire. Pride centers and wax museums. Here are the woke projects buried in the congressional spending bill. According to the Heritage Foundation, the omnibus bill they may not have time to read is packed with woke pet projects. Among them are a number of LGBTQ projects from pride centers to museums and anti-racism initiatives. According to the thread shared on Twitter on Tuesday, the thread began with a headline in all caps, quote, woke. Priorities in the omnibus, close quote. Here are just a few earmarks, a.k.a. your taxpayer dollars set aside for special interest projects. We found in the 1,455-page spending bill that are funding the left's extreme agenda using your money. Oh, by the way, it's much bigger than that. It read, an addendum to the thread later noted that the number of pages had been a typo and the actual size of the bill was much larger the bill is not 1,455 pages. That would have been bad enough. No, instead it is 4,155 pages. Look at the picture I'm showing on our live video stream of uh, Rand Paul with his hand above a stack of papers that is, what do you say that is, Adrian? Two and a half feet tall? Two feet tall minimum? I mean, that's, that's a stack of yeah, papers.
1: Easily, easily two feet tall.
0: It, I'm, I'm hearing the words of Nancy Pelosi. you got to pass it to know what's in it because there's no way to read it. Yeah,
1: that that is a that is a crime to have that kind of just thing, in general. To, it's impossible to do. Impossible. It is a matter of who's doing it. No yeah. one. No one can read that. Yeah. So,
0: uh, one point two million dollars for the LGBTQIA plus Pride Centers. One point two million dollars for service sur- yes. aka helping illegal aliens with taxpayer funds at San Diego Community College. Four hundred seventy seven thousand for the Equity Institute in Rhode Island. Uh, to indoctrinate teachers with anti-racism virtual labs, more projects were listed in the following tweets, including one million for Zora's House in Ohio, a co-working and community space for women and gender expansive people of color; three million for the American LGBTQ+ Museum in New York City; three point six million for a Michelle Obama trial in Georgia. I have no idea what, what? that means. I pff, no idea, no idea. So uh, yeah, so this massive omnibus. $1.7 trillion funding package comes. That, that we're paying for. Yeah, pork all the way, apparently. Uh, but wait, wait, there's more. Oh, yeah, there's more. So here's an article I saw at a LifeSite News. US Archbishop denounces madness of LGBTQ ideology. Now, this was at a uh, Napa Institute meeting of Catholic business people. And the, uh, the bishop uh, is Archbishop Paul Coakley from Oklahoma. And basically said, quote, we see the plague of relativism in nearly every aspect of life, Archbishop Coakley said. In politics, we speak of alternative facts. In education, this emphasis on equally valid perspectives. And sadly, sometimes even in the church with its push to change her moral teaching, especially her sexual ethic. There is no starker proof that we live in a culture where experience and a desire eclipse the truth than the transgender movement. Coakley noted the progressive steps leading to the current wave of LGBT propaganda, beginning with the sexual revolution of the 1960s. I'd back that up, Your Your, uh, Excellency. I'd go back, I don't know, let's see, we could go back to the French Revolution. We could go back further to even the Protestant Revolution. We can go back even further than that. I mean, go back to the Garden of Eden. What was the most, what was the moment in which the Nahash, the serpent, the Satan entered... Into the lives of Adam and Eve. It was in Genesis 3:1, which was the, the one verse that right before it was what? They the two had become one. When man and woman were in their most intimate moment in their union, in their embrace, that was the moment the great Nahash, the evil serpent, the dragon, enters into creation story and the salvation story. It is in that moment between man and woman between husband and wife, in their marital embrace, that the attack comes first. And I think that's when the dominoes begin to fall. But nonetheless, the uh, the, uh, article goes on to say the prevailing acceptance and practice of contraception the legalization of abortion in the 1973 Roe v. Wade Supreme Court decision, now overturned by Dobbs v. Jackson, praise be to God, and the increasing acceptance of homosexuality and same-sex marriage, which, by the way, when's the last time you heard the bishops truly defend marriage and go all out to, to reconquista our society? Mm. Been a while. These culture and moral landmarks in American society, Coakley argued, laid the groundwork for the LGBTQ agenda sweeping the the nation today. Quote, the pill gave the illusion of completely untethering sex from reproduction, fueling the fiction that sexual desire could be pursued with cost or without consequences resulting in the acceleration of the rapid breakdown of the family and the establishment of abortion and constitutional right in case contraception failed, Coakley said. In 1973, the American Psychiatric Association removed homosexuality as a category of mental illness. You think that's a problem? Yeah, I think so. He continues, gender is now determined simply by how one feels and how one identifies. In order to avoid being labeled transphobic, these feelings must be accepted as the true indicators of gender, and these feelings must be supported even to the point of Uh, Inalterable gender affirmation surgeries, non-binary identities have mushroomed, and their spread has gone mainstream. This transgender ideology, this transgender philosophy, is based on a false and defective and totally inadequate anthropology. Close quote, Archbishop Coakley. Well said, well said, Your Excellency. We know the problem, we've identified the problem, the question is what are we going to do about it? How are we going to address it? Uh, I affirm what I've said now many, many times on this program. Until the consensus of the U.S. bishops is to be bold, in season and out, public and private, not just make statements, not just, you know, uh, issue letters or documents, write books or even give a speech, but to put the full weight of Holy Mother Church and the faithful of having... The gates of hell be stormed against by Holy Mother Church. Not the other way around. It's not them attacking us, but us attacking them. Until that day comes, that boldness, that proclamation, we stand our ground and we do not retreat any further. Until that day comes, the world gets
3: worse. Let's pray fast and do penance. More is coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Since we are all children, we all associate Christmas with Christmas presents. G.K. Chesterton says that everything looks better when it's a gift. A gift is something we don't deserve. If we deserved it, it would not be a gift. And that's why the only possible response to a gift is gratitude. And that is why we hear in the Mass, as we will hear at Christ's Mass... We do well always and everywhere to give you thanks. Everything we have is a gift. And that is why Chesterton says, thanks is the highest form of thought. That's why the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. The best kind of giving, says Chesterton, is thanksgiving. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org.
2: Hi, I'm Debbie Giorgiani. And I'm Adam Bly. We're the hosts of The Spirit World every Saturday
8: morning on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Join us as we help answer your questions on angels, demons, and how the physical and spiritual worlds interact. That's
2: The Spirit World from the Station of the Cross studios every Saturday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Central, right here on the Guadalupe Radio Network.
1: Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Adrian Fonseca here, keeping you informed and inspired. Today is Wednesday, December 21st, just four more days until Christmas. And now, more headline news. From Epic Times, two people are dead and thousands are still without power in Humboldt County, California, after an earthquake of magnitude 6.4 struck the area in the early morning of December 20th, causing widespread damage to property and roads in the area. We've sent Mr. Rudy Carlos to California to further investigate. According to CNA, an Italian publishing house involved an immersive art exhibit has they have it denied an American attorney's claim that it was wrongly presenting itself as a broker for licensing the use of Vatican art. Giorgio Amaroli, CEO and editor of Scripta Manette, rejected the implications of a December 14th article in the Daily Wire, which first reported the misconduct allegations. One might say between the allegations and counter-allegations, it's a draw. And I'm left asking, is everyone in the art industry sketchy? And just the news, the $1.7 trillion, 4,155-page omnibus bill that congressional negotiators have unveiled is stuffed with pork. Giveaways for favorite groups from lobster industry to LGBTQIA+, and shouldn't be passed. According to a group of conservative GOP lawmakers in the Heritage Foundation, a group of 13 House GOP members have pledged to block any legislative priority of GOP senators who vote for the $1.7 trillion omnibus spending bill. According to the Chicago Tribune, the Satanic Temple of Illinois has the right to build a holiday display in Springfield. Members say it's about religious freedom. For the fourth time since 2018, the Satanic Temple of Illinois, a statewide chapter with about 100 members, part of a religion boasting half a million followers internationally, was in Springfield on an early December morning. Last year, the Satanic Temple installed a sculpture of a swaddled goat-headed demon baby named Baphomet, who we rebuke in Jesus' name. This year, the Satanic Temple went a bit less provocative. The sculpture is a mirror, has a mirrored base holding a leather-bound copy of On the Revolution of the Heavenly Spheres written by Nicholas Copernicus in 1543. Circling its base is a snake crocheted by a Satanist winding upward and resting its head inside of the open book, which is also surrounded by crocheted apples. Three things. One, Satan has no rights. Second, Copernicus was a canon and possibly a priest who was buried underneath the cathedral church in good standing. And third, Satan is the eternal loser, and our lady will crush his head. And those were your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God and all things. Joining us right now via
0: Zoom chat is Randy Clark, 32-year veteran of uh, the Border Patrol, and now a, a journalist with Breitbart and uh, reporting on the border. Good morning to you, Mr. Clark.
9: Good morning, Joe. How are you today? Praise be to God. I'm alive, and that counts. How are you? I am doing just fine. Oh, we're we're glad
0: for your time today. Thank you for being on. Thank you for your service, too, by the way. Um, You're welcome. Thank you. 255% increase over last year at this time at the border. Uh, Clearly, we have a major problem at our border. Can you just kind of catch us up? How do you see this, especially in light of the Title 42, back and forth with the Supreme Court?
9: Well, uh, you know, I, I think we're really in a quagmire right now. We found ourselves in a situation that the federal government can't handle. Uh, I don't think some local cities along the border are capable of handling this. And I think now we're seeing cities inside the United States like New York, Denver, uh, Chicago that are also having difficulties. And and the numbers that they are seeing really pale in comparison to what crosses the border on a daily basis. So I think the the, the problems and the issues are coming to light. But I think those who are empowered to change this and maybe have a better impact on what we're seeing every day, are lending a blind turning a blind eye to this. Uh, this is a situation that, in 32 years of the border patrol, I never saw this. And and what irritates me about this situation is most concerning is that those that are involved to the greatest extent and suffer the consequences uh, of the situation on a daily basis are those that really don't have a voice. Uh, we just saw a president fail to come to the border because of an economic event uh, in Arizona. Well. What does that say to those people who are most affected? And those people most affected primarily are the migrants themselves that are losing their life on the border uh, in numbers that are record-breaking that we've never seen before, and the Border Patrol agents that are trying to care and provide humanitarian uh, needs for thousands that are coming over, and the people in the cities that really are overwhelmed, the medical facilities are overwhelmed. Uh, I I witnessed the burials of migrants in Eagle Pass and, uh, and I too am a Catholic and they were transported in the back of a pickup truck bed and they were literally tossed, physically tossed in the same body bags they were recovered in with no ceremony, with no priest or no clergy there to even say a word. And so to see that firsthand and to live that firsthand on the border and not, and not have anybody think that this is of consequence or this is something we need to look into is uh, is really concerning for me.
0: Yeah, I I think even as Catholics but just as citizens of our country, there is there's clearly a major we've seen a really have we seen a good in your 32 years of service, have you seen really good border policy coming from the federal government in spite of who might be sitting in the White House or or in Congress? I know uh, Donald Trump tried to secure the the border and there was a lot of resistance to that, but in general you know, overhauling our border policy is more than just building a wall, uh, because to the point you just made, like these people, I feel like we're being codependent with bad guys here. We're encouraging not only illegal behavior but evil behavior. Cartels taking absolute advantage uh, of the situation, making billions of dollars, indenturing and, and putting in uh, people into slavery, uh, molesting or worse. Uh, or And then on the other side, we're bringing them in. Is this for a political agenda? Are we doing this to replace our population? Uh, do we even care what happens to these people once they get across the border? I mean, it, the whole thing seems like a bad deal.
9: Well, I, I believe it is. Uh, my first year in the Border Patrol, Ronald Reagan was the president. And my last year in the Border Patrol, which was 2020, obviously, was the end of the Trump administration. And, and I think a perfect example of what you're saying is the, is the Title 42 issue. And and that I'll, I'll get to in just a second. But you're absolutely right. Policy was really never, never in a spot where it should be, where we could have a discussion on both sides of the political spectrum here in the United States about what needs to be done that benefits everybody. If we're going to let people in the United States, then it should be beneficial to them. And if we're, if we're going to keep people out, well, we do so in, in as humane manner as we can. Uh, we, we did not get there. What we saw was a a significant decrease in the last administration because of policies that were put in place, mostly to expel migrants as quickly as possible if they did not have a valid claim of asylum, or in the case of the Remain in Mexico program, to actually wait that asylum in, in, in the safest third country that they could possibly find from where they left. So the numbers dropped through the floor. When Title 42 was enacted, uh, I was in on the conversations because I ran the Border Patrol stations in the Del Rio sector on how it was going to be implemented and what the purpose was. And I can tell you, we remember the early days of the pandemic. Uh, It scared all of us. Uh, I went to funerals for several Border Patrol agents that I worked closely with who were under 50 that succumbed to the disease. And so there was a big worry, and it was brought about specifically for the pandemic. And it was applied as broadly as possible to keep Border Patrol agents from having to put people in close quarters and spread that virus. It since has morphed to a selective, well, it's going to apply to Venezuelans, but it will not apply to Cubans and it will not apply to Nicaraguans, but it will apply to adults, but not children. And so that's where this battle was lost because it became an immigration tool and it was never intended. Uh, so I think it, it you know it's a dangerous situation when we fight for the government to keep a rule that really doesn't make sense because that gives them the power later on to create a rule that doesn't make sense and impose it on on just about anybody so the forty two issue uh it, it it really needs to go for for good reason i I think the pandemic is nowhere near where it was in two thousand and twenty and into twenty one we have the vaccines many of these migrants. In the processing centers right now, they are getting the vaccine and they're getting flu shots in there. Uh, and, and the detention situation is another really sad, sad part of this equation.
0: You know, that's a, that's an issue in a story that goes back uh, many years. Uh, splitting families up, obviously, under the Obama administration it was a big problem. Uh, but it also became a political tool because we also saw the reports that said uh, there were there were adults coming across the border with kids that didn't belong to them. They were just being, they were being rented, or they were, or they were uh, kidnapped kids, or there were several different scenarios there. Talk to me about that.
9: Well, so there was a time when we were in the midst of the great surge that we had in 2019, and we actually had people from Homeland Security investigations performing rapid DNA tests to try and combat that problem. And we know that there was a small percentage of uh, children, young, you know, young children being shuttled. Uh, they were brought in so that the older adults could, could be released as a family unit. And then the child was shipped back to a third country, Honduras, Guatemala, El Salvador, and was mm-hmm. brought back again. And so th- people were seeing these children at airports, you know, going back to, to, the, to those countries. So that, that was a real problem. And, and it certainly, when you look at the numbers, that's, that's, it's a small percentage, but, but that's a big problem. You know, right now, though, in in 2019 and 20, we were dealing with tens of thousands of, of unaccompanied minors. When you and when you say, well, family separations uh, during the Trump administration, there were family separations for the for the purpose of prosecuting the adults as a deterrent. And in that particular year, in 2020, there were 30,000 unaccompanied minors, and 5,000 were separated from their families wow. as a deterrent to prosecute the adults hold that thought right, right there. now
0: randy we're at a network break uh we're going to come back after just a couple minutes with randy clark from breitbart news veteran of the border patrol and uh, we're going to follow up on this point and then i want to ask about the agents themselves how are they dealing with all of this it seems overwhelming more is coming up next don't go anywhere kept the drive time be
2: right back Hey, Donnie, when we see Christ on the cross, what do we call that? A crucifix. And who said, preach Christ and Him crucified? St. Paul. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on.
0: to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be on with you. Praise be to God. Randy Clark is our guest. He's a journalist with Breitbart. He's also a 32-year veteran with the Border Patrol. Very grateful for your time again, Mr. Clark. Thank you for, for being on with us. Uh, just before we went to the break, we're talking about uh, families being broken up and the complexities of that. It's hard. I gotta imagine this is incredibly hard because ultimately we're wanting a, a just system with which to keep bad people out and let good people in, in a legal and regulated way. And it seems like the Border Patrol agents are dealing with incredibly complex situations. What is the heart and mind of the average Border Patrol agent in all of these headlines that we read that feel so overwhelming and so negative? Where does the Border Patrol agent stand?
8: When
9: we were talking about the children in the last two years, 300,000 unaccompanied children have been arrested and placed into government custody to find sponsors. And right now, today, as you and I speak, there are more than 11,000 unaccompanied children whose families chose to self-separate and send their children across the border alone. They are in federal custody right now. Nearly 11,000 with Health and Human Services and another 500 and change with CBP that are waiting to get transferred to them. 300 or better each day cross. 300 or better are released to people in the United States in what is really a conveyor belt. So the Border Patrol agents see that. To answer your question, they see that every day. And, and I lived that uh, during the 2019 crisis. And it's very hard to describe to somebody who is not physically there mm-hmm. uh, what it's like to go into work and, and grant it we're seeing it for 10, 12 hours a day. Those migrants that are in custody, they're seeing it 24 hours a day until they're either returned to their country or they're released onto the streets. And so when you have a facility that's designed to hold a thousand people and there are 3,000 people being detained, or in the case of the station that I was operating, I had space for 250 single adults. And what that means is I don't have beds. I don't have a kitchen. I don't have a staff that is capable of preparing food, I don't have a medical staff, and I have 800 or better migrants in custody. Well, guess what? We're overwhelmed. We're cooking with microwaves. Uh, We're trying to administer medicines without the staff to remember that perhaps your four-month-old child is the one that needs the, the flu medication every eight hours. And there isn't a staff to do that. They're sleeping on concrete floors and we get to go home and get in our warm beds at night with our children. And when they're sick, we know that they're getting their medicines. So border Patrol agents every day have to go into these crowded facilities. And so do the staff members that now, you know, it's a little bit better because they have medical staff that has changed. Uh, but it's not, it's not enough. Uh, our congressman here, Congressman Gonzalez went to El Paso and visited one facility. He saw 500 people in a detention area designed for 100 with one toilet. So, You know, just imagine that with that description. Yeah. But these folks that come over, uh, I've had to go to our local grocery store and pharmacy and take off the shelf every over-the-counter lice medication because I could see them itching in those cells and I knew we had an outbreak. We put outdoor sinks just to give them some relief. And so when you see that day in and day out, it has an impact. And in addition to that, it is these border patrol agents and local law enforcement authorities and fire and rescue that are recovering these bodies. And I too have been involved in that, but not to the extent of some of the boat patrol folks that patrol the, in the river that have to retrieve those bodies that have drowned. And the ages range from months old to a little bit older in mid adulthood. Uh, and so you go home to your family and you hug your children and you just pulled a four month old baby that drowned three or four days ago out of that water. So you can sense my frustration that anybody could say, there are more important things going on and I can't go look at this border. Well, these these are the people that have the power mm-hmm. to change policy, to influence policy and make a difference. And I, and I think we're in a bad spot and we can't get to the point where both sides could ever sit down and come up with a viable solution, like you said, keep the criminal element out and then ask ourselves, what can we handle? Uh, And there's a third element of of folks that are seeing this from a different angle. And those are the folks that are in Nicaragua, that are in Panama, that are in, in other places where they see their young adult and the future of their countries fleeing by the thousands daily. Well, that's the heart and soul of their countries. Those are the workers. So they're having worker shortages. Meanwhile, we are sending buildings to those countries to address the cause of migration. Well, when the money gets there, those people will be gone. Hmm.
0: Wow. So let me ask you a question then. Let's, uh, let's just say hypothetically uh, that you are asked to provide uh, advice to the administration. This one, next one, doesn't matter. What would you say to a president to suggest on how we could go about fixing all of these problems, doing something in order to create relief uh, at our border for uh, for the best interest of our country and for those uh, obviously impacted and affected trying to come across that border, what would you suggest we do?
9: Well, I think we were headed in that direction in 2020 where policies, because people talk about barriers, you know, build a wall, build a wall. That's great. But if there's no policy on the other side of that wall, all you're doing is impeding a little bit and you're, and you're maybe even causing a danger. Uh, but good policy discouraging folks to leave not to leave their homeland and then looking at the situation then because right now people are coming in illegally we are spending more of our dollars and focus on the illegal portion of migration than we are on the legal and we forget that there are legal mechanisms to migrate to the u.s are they sufficient in the eyes of some maybe they're not but you'll never sit down and have that conversation so long as the border is this porous and out of control the folks that are getting here now are the poorest of the poor. Those that fled Venezuela first were those that migrated on foot into Colombia because they were the ones that were starving. When we first saw the Venezuelans get here, they were mostly wealthy that were flying into Mexico because they didn't need a visa. They were staying for a very short amount of time at shelter because they had family here, Houston and Florida, and they were gone from the border area within hours. Now we're seeing those who have been living in Colombia, and I have talked to them myself at the shelters, they had been living in Colombia for a year or more. And wow. now they've decided, well, now's the right time and now I'm coming. Well, they are the they are the ones that really lack the support system. They don't have relatives here. And now we're seeing the larger cities say, Well, we can't indefinitely support people. We need federal government help. So I think we got to get to a place where we were that we discourage as much illegal immigration as we can. And during that pause, Try and get both spectrums, one that sees the only answer to completely get rid of any laws regarding immigration and the other that says nobody should come into this country. Perhaps it might be, you know, anti migratory in 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 their political views and get those in the middle to pull those edges in and say, "Okay, what more can we do to be a, a good member of this globe and say, let's help other people? Because I don't want to leave my hometown. I, I, I live in a thirty thousand population border community, but here's where my family is. Here's where my mother lives. Here's where my aunts and uncles lived, and my cousins lived. I don't want to leave here. They don't want to leave their home country either. You know, they really don't. But but they're left with no opportunities and and no hope for opportunities in the future. So I think we've got to get to a point that we stop the illegal immigration, or as much of it as we can, and then sit down and say, okay, now how do we help? Is the answer moving poverty from one side of the globe to the other, or is the answer building a larger coalition to say, hey, let's combat the corruption in politics, which is not foreign to the United States. Let's combat the poverty there, which again is not foreign to the United States. We have 40 million people living below the poverty line here right now what opportunities are we creating for them? And the answer, it's a dismal view here as well. So it, it is a quagmire, but I think there's a way out. It's just very hard the way we are polarized right now on almost every major issue that we are dealing with as a society.
1: Yeah, that is that is very true. And one thing that I'm thinking of during while you're, you're saying this is, yeah, this is It's a hard thing when we talk about, you know, we get down into the the dirty of it, the talking about the individual lives, because we want to have compassion on people. But at the same time, it's not compassionate to allow the excesses and the problems and all these things and violation of laws. And the, all these things are very bad. And it makes me think of the words of our Lord when he said that the poor will always be with us. And, and St. Thomas More telling us that uh, in his book, Utopia, how the, this, this idea that we can abolish poverty, we can create a, a nation where everything is working perfectly, is, is not real. We live in a valley of tears and everything on this earth will, will not come to that. And so I guess my question for you is, you know, what, I, we're not really trying to find the, a good outcome. We're really trying to find the best uh, or the least worst outcome, I would say. Uh, what is your thoughts on, on that exactly?
9: Well, I think you're exactly right. Uh, and one of the frustrating things is, is when you don't look at this situation up close, but you have to live it every day, uh, one of the things that disturbed me the most besides the the loss of life is when you retrieve a body from that river and you can see with your eyes, right there is a perfectly good bridge that that human could have crossed mm-hmm. with their family and not drowned. And we're not affording that in a legal manner if that's what we're gonna do. You know, when a president says, I urge all of you to search the border, they listen and they came. But what he didn't tell them is, I'm not gonna allow you to use that bridge you're gonna have to ford that river and that river can go from ankle deep to 12 feet deep in a matter of feet. Mm. And when the currents raise, if you're pushed a little bit, that's it. Nobody is quizzing these people. How good of a swimmer are you? Here's a flotation device. They're just saying hurry. There's a thousand of us, there's 700. We all gotta get across this river and it is freezing out here. So that's the frustrating thing is, you know, that certainly is far from the best outcome. And I think that's how we got to look at this border is. Do we want anybody dying in inhospitable terrain or in that river? And the answer is it should be a resounding no. There's a bridge and there's a mechanism and there are ports of entry to come in. How do we get to the point that if we invite you here, that's the way you come? Because that's the way you would go and come. That's the way I would go and come. I'm not bringing my family through that river and risking death, but I'm not in as dire situation as they are. So I think there are better ways to do this and I think everybody should agree that that we are smarter than that as human beings. We are more developed and yeah. smarter than that to to encourage and allow an absolutely out of control situation to continue to mm-hmm. go on.
0: We're just about out of time. The one only other caveat caveat that I would throw into this is I also believe we ought to not only secure our border, revise our policies, have a have a, a different, a more humane outlook on uh, immigration. But we must, must, must sever the cartel's capability to be involved in this process at all. They are evil. Amen. And we should treat them like the enemy and destroy them. But nonetheless, we are very grateful to you, Mr. Clark, for your time today. God bless you. God love you. And uh, have a great day, sir. Merry Christmas.
9: Thank you. Same to you all.
0: All right. Coming up at the uh, top of the next hour, if you can join us, David L. Gray is going to be on. We're going to be talking about the uh, subjugation of language to further the woke cause all that and more is coming up the next hour go to grnonline.com/cdt
3: planning on shopping online this year for christmas Did you know that you can help the Guadalupe Radio Network when you do your Christmas shopping online? All you need to do is shop on Amazon Smile, and 0.5% of your purchase goes to the GRN. Just go to amazonsmile.com and select La Promesa Foundation as your nonprofit of choice. La Promesa is the parent company of Guadalupe Radio. It's that simple to give some extra help to the Guadalupe Radio Network during the holiday season.
2: I had a personal experience that was life changing for me. My husband of 21 years decided to leave um, our family, me and my girls, and Um, In the midst of the absolute horrible heartache, I happened to be flipping
7: through the radio one day on the AM channel because I didn't feel like listening to music, and I happened to find Catholic radio, and ever since then, I have been tuned in religiously. And I feel like I have a really, really strong pull to the
2: Catholic faith. The Guadalupe Radio Network would like to thank those listeners who have supported Catholic Radio financially over the years so that we could be there when Terry needed us. If you would like to support your Catholic Radio station, please visit grnonline.com and you can click on the Donate Now button. Again, we sincerely thank you for helping us to be there for Terry and everyone else that needs God's love.
7: Hi, my name is John Henry from St. John Vianney Catholic Church, and you're listening to AM 1430 KSHJ
1: Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, Radio for Your Soul.
0: He's away, just a couple of days before the holy season of Christmas begins. But I have some. I have a confession to make. I'm not proud of this. Dude, I'm not your priest. Um, but you can, you,
1: you played one on Twitter once. I played one on it in a play twice. So you should be able to hear my confession. Well, I can certainly hear it. Okay. I I won't be able to absolve you though.
0: Uh, maybe I'll get my priest to text me absolution. Can I get him to do that? Let me, uh, let me ask him. We'll we'll do it.
1: He'll do a spiritual absolution mm -hmm. from across the city. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's valid. Seems reasonable.
0: It's not valid. It's not valid. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, before it hits the Twitters and becomes public knowledge, I'm just going to admit it right now. We currently quote-tweeting you. We decorated our home last night. <gasps> our, we put the lights up. Yeah. I know. I know. It's not Christmas yet. It's
1: still If I was your priest, I wouldn't absolve you. Not Christmas. And, uh, yeah, we put them up last I would night. withhold absolution until you take this it down. Is is
0: frustrating, to say the least. Uh, my wife and I don't get along when it comes to that kind of thing. So, arguing over... What extension cord goes where? It's really not good. It's not, it's not joyful. All right. So not, here's the real
1: question. Yeah. Extension cord. Is mm-hmm. it going to the left side of the tree or the right side of the tree?
0: These are tough questions. And uh, I, I wish I had clear, concise answers, but I don't. an expert
1: guest to talk about this topic. Uh,
0: we should. We probably should. Uh, you know what's also very interesting? Because, uh, you know, we put out our—we had our conversation yesterday with um, Father Provone. We also spoke with Father Murray. Great conversation with Father Murray. That video we we posted those videos on our YouTube channel, and you can see them there. But you can't win the art. I mean, like, there's no winner. Like, half the audience hates our take, and half the audience, the other half hates the the take. So, if you're for Pr- Father Provone, uh, then you thought we were against him. If you are against him, you thought we were for him. <laughs> there was no winning for us. In that uh, in the com box on that video, which is kind of funny to
1: me. Yeah, it was kind of amusing. It was uh, the people were upset because we were too harsh on Father Provone, and then people were upset mm-hmm. because we uh, were not harsh enough on Father Provone. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to tell them, I was like, "Could you go?" Go to this part of the interview no watch that inter- yeah. no go, yes <laughs> and they uh, so it was it was a, uh, a very interesting comment section i just thought to say the least. i thought we asked him good questions I thought so too. and gave him an
0: opportunity to, to give good answers is what i, I, I thought so. I, don't think, I think so i don't think a lot of people were asking the kinds of questions we were asking which is we thought well, a wonderful opportunity to let him respond directly to some of the uh, some of the more detailed uh, detractors that he has And not just uh, general statements, as I've seen him and other commentators making. So uh, I was very—I thought it was a great conversation. I thought Father Gerald Murray did a wonderful job. By the way, you can find all of those on our website, grnonline.com forward slash cdt, where you can also get the podcast of yesterday's show. Or today, if you want to hear and you missed our conversation with Randy Clark, a 32-year Border Patrol veteran out of uh, Eagle Pass, a Catholic, by the way. Uh, I thought that was a good conversation last hour. You can— Catch the podcast of that also on our website, grredonline.com forward slash CDT. But nonetheless, uh, you know, we live in interesting times, and it gives us an opportunity to be bold and to, uh, to preach about that, to speak about that. Isn't that like a Chinese curse? Mm-hmm. May you live in interesting times? Yeah, we do. Uh, check that box. Uh, what's next on the list, I would argue? Speaking of people who are going to hold out until Christmas starts, never, ever going to decorate prior to Christmas time. David O'Gray joins us from uh from, from Germany. Good morning to you, David O'Gray. Good
10: morning, gentlemen. How you doing? Joe, Rudy, and Adrian. how you guys doing?
0: Well, Rudy's on vacation. So
1: yeah. we what? we no longer speak
0: his name publicly.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what? Yeah, he said, can you I'm like, what he kind heard, of a guy? He heard you he were coming. And so he said, I'm going back to California. Yeah, going back to Cali. Uh, I tried what, to,
10: what a, great, what a What a great show you guys put on yesterday, though. I don't I don't know what the listeners were. We're talking about you guys asked so your your questions were much better than Laura Ingram. He was on Laura <laughs> Ingram the day be um that same day and um yeah she had a horrible interview with him. So you guys did great.
0: Yeah, well thanks. I
10: appreciate that. Uh
0: yeah, very interesting, right? You can't seem to win that argument no matter no matter what you <laughs> do. People everybody's mad at you, but that's okay. I thought it was a good, good radio programming. And uh and hopefully more people will check it out. But uh you tell me, promise me, David, you're the last holdout here. You're my only hope. You have not decorated for Christmas yet, right? Because it's not Christmas time.
10: So we wouldn't. That, that, that's, a, that's a really good point. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, I'll take mm-hmm. that into consideration next year. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, Joe, I
1: can honestly say I did not decorate for Christmas. Oh, your parents did. Yes, this is true. <laughs> this
0: is true. Oh, man. See, now what happens is you decorate too early. And then when you're like gonna be that Catholic holdout in your neighborhood and keep your lights on for, for twelve days or to you know <laughs> to epiphany and beyond, well now you just look like really
1: weird. You're that yeah. weird one. Yeah. Right? No, no. So you that's see That's a good point. That's a good point. You can't pee too early in front decorating.
10: That's, that's that's valid. <laughs> Here, here's that.
1: my here's my suggestion to be the man in the middle to get run over. The what you do is you put out a lot of your Christmas decorations early. Mm-hmm. You tell everyone they're Advent decorations, <laughs> and then when it comes to Christmas, mm-hmm. you put out something extra, like add a, add a star to the tree, <laughs> I see. add something that's a well, little, little dazzle. Okay, to I got it. you covered. And then it's now Christmas decorations.
0: bro. I got you covered. We have a manger out in front. Mm-hmm. I built it, so oh. I should know. And we put the we put our lady. Still standing. Our lady, which by the way, is the Gibby Ra. Have I mentioned that today? Oh. Probably not. But mm. Our Lady, the Gibby Ra and Saint Joseph are out there, but no baby Jesus. Mm. Baby Jesus don't no. show up until Christmas
1: time. That's what I exactly. See, you're in the spirit. Whew. But the neighbors aren't picking up on what I'm putting down. You, you, are make, you kidding? put up, put up a really right. big sign right. that explains yeah. it in excruciating detail. <laughs> Jesus and is not everybody everybody, for Christmas. <laughs> Like, they're just thinking we're the weird ones. <laughs> I like out. that
10: idea. You got to kind of accessorize your Christmas yeah. decorations, right? Yeah. So I like that.
0: <laughs> anyway. Hey, I saw a story this morning that I thought would be very interesting to get your take on. Uh, Ivy League school, an Ivy League school has uh, decided it wants to reinvent, Stanford University wants to reinvent the uh, the English language. They have put out the Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative. Sounds very formal. Sounds very legit. Yeah. But uh, basically, they're doing what yeah. we think they're, they're, yeah. that they would be doing. They're going against uh, homophobia, ableism, LGBTQ stuff, of course, uh, the Black Lives Matter stuff, the critical race theory. Uh, how do you see this? I, I find this is uh, a symptom of a greater problem, but what say you, David O'Gray?
10: Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, so Stanford University, the Harvard of the West, they're engaging in this, this multi year, multi phase, Elimination of Harmful Language Initiative. And yeah, it's exactly what it calls itself. They're, they're, they're working to eliminate harmful language. Let me just draw just five quick examples for the audience. <clears throat> so they're changing walk-in hours. Walk-in hours is now offensive. Because that's, you know, <laughs> that it's can walk, to people David? who cannot walk. Yeah, makes sense. Okay. Right? Um, so we should change that to open office hours now. Um, immigrants. Is also offensive to people who should not ref- – because we shouldn't refer to people according to just, you know, one of their identities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so immigrants mm-hmm. are now called people who immigrated, all right? <laughs> so immigrants are now persons, but babies in, in the womb, they're still not persons. Right, yeah. Um, we can no longer refer to email domain or IP address as being whitelisted or blacklisted because that's offensive <laughs> to white people and black people. Because um, oh, white is good, black yeah. is bad, but we still have it. Black okay. Friday after Thanksgiving. Yeah, That's still OK. Um, <laughs> um, the term American is bad, too, because it applies some sort of superiority over mm-hmm. other Americans, you know, North mm-hmm. Americans and South Americans. So yeah. Americans now call themselves people of the United States. But Stanford is saying that people of um, citizens of South America, I mean, yeah. South Africa, can still call themselves African. So it's just Americans are only bad ones here. Got it. A couple others. Um, The metaphor beating a dead horse is now off limits, right, because of horses. No, because it sort of implies, Mm -hmm. you know, harm to animals. So we can't beat dead horses anymore. Okay. And also, um, we can no longer say, oh, that's insane, Joe. That's insane, Adrian. Because there's actually crazy people out there, and oh. they'll be offended as well. Well, we would, God,
0: it's hard to not offend anybody ever under any circumstances, but I guess we should try. <laughs> I've know, never offended anyone ever. Ever. I just just go to his Twitter feed. You'll know for sure. Hey, um, so what, <laughs> what I find you know, infuriating about all of this in the society that we live in is how many times, if I had a dollar for every time I was told that I couldn't have an opinion because I don't have an advanced degree on a particular topic, or the proper skin color. Or yeah, it's like are you kidding me? People with advanced degrees just redefined marriage in our in our <laughs> in our congress. <laughs> like people with advanced degrees uh are are mutilating the bodies of children because they have they 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 feel like they're this way or that way today. People with advanced yeah. degrees have done all kinds of horrible things. So what is the point to having an advanced degree If it does not lead to a good, solid, (laughs) logical conclusion, you know, of course, one has to have degrees to have certain jobs. I get that, but I think we can all we can admit here that higher education
10: seems like a lost cause. Yeah, yeah, it's opening up the door to really just psychosis, right? Like the you can like become so smart you're dumb, maybe more so educated you're stupid, maybe. but, you know, my grandmother used to say if you want to hide something, you just have all you have to do is put it in a book. I think that's <laughs> no longer the case anymore. I think if you want to hide something nowadays, the only thing you have to do is just change the definition, ch- change yeah. the word if you want to hide a thing. Right. Just ch- just call it what it is not. And then you- you'll you hide the true meaning of a thing. You know, and that's that, what they're doing.
1: That makes me think of um, the I had a friend who got his a higher degree. I think he had his master's degree in in architecture. He wanted to be an architect. And we were having a discussion, and he was explaining to me how this this brutalist architecture, which if you're not aware, the brutalist architecture is the art that the communists were building. So they're very ugly, concrete, sharp corners, and the suicide rates among – were they built in Poland, were they built – uh, brutalist apartments, mm-hmm. the suicide rates skyrocket. They're depressing. They're depressing. And so we're having a discussion, and he's trying to explain to me why brutalist architecture can, in fact, be beautiful. And he's explained this to me, and I told him, I, he did this long explanation, and I told him, the only person that can think that brutalist architecture is beautiful Mm-hmm. is if you have a degree in architecture. <laughs> no one else can think that. And that's the same across the board. You see this modernist art. Yeah. of paintings paintings splattering, things like that, and these art majors, these art master's degree in art, they explain, oh, you see, this it means this, that, and the other, and that's why it's so amazing. It's like you have to have a degree to think that is beautiful. And I think that's really the case for a lot of these things. Also, I mean, liberal arts used to mean something. It used to be
0: the core foundation of higher education where people had a common base, a foundation upon which they could build. So the ability to reason, to to have logic, to come to right conclusions could then be applied anywhere universally. So you learn the job on the job, except for, like, medical school, things like that, you know, law school, but you learn the job on the job, uh, and you learn how to think in higher education. That is totally gone, and we've. and how many Catholic parents out there are feeling the pressure right now because their kid is about to turn 18, graduate high school, and they're like, I've got to get him into university, or their life will mean nothing, you know? And it's just like, do you not understand you're sending the wolves, I mean, the sheep to the wolves? It it, it really is mind-numbing to me how much pressure we feel, even in the Catholic Church, to cooperate and uh, be codependent with this broken system.
10: Yeah. And these universities, I mean, I understand Stanford, they're coming from that perspective of trying to be relevant, right? How do we, how do we be relevant? How do we compete with Harvard? And, and, and it points to, I guess, the problem that you, you just raised, Joe, is that what they want to do is, they, is rather than – improve minds, improve students holistically. What they want to do is just like change society, society through manipulation and, and word games and, and all, the, all these things that really don't make society better. Universities have become a place that rather than send students out to improve society, rather than they're sending students out to harm society. And that's really what they're producing. They're, they're, they become very poisonous and harmful to society, which, is very, which yeah. is very disappointing and sad.
0: Amen. Well, don't send your kids to great... Great uh, big universities with fancy names, uh, send them to great schools. And there's a few out there, I would say. Yeah. If you have to send them, send them to a better school that's going to make them into better Catholics. At any rate, uh, down to the wire here with David O'Grade. David, uh, where are you guys going to spend Christmas? You're going to go to Paris or Prague or where? Where do you, where do the rich Catholics go for Christmas in Europe? Ah! I'm just curious. You
10: no, know, I don't want to beat a dead horse, mm-hmm. but um... <laughs>
0: you're not allowed to do that. Did you not get the memo? <laughs> I mean, we just read that. You're not allowed to beat dead horses.
10: <laughs> It will be here for Christmas, but I think we're going uh-huh. somewhere for New Year's. Like Munich or Ber-
0: Berlin or uh, Salzburg. Like where? Where are you going, man? I mean, uh,
10: I think we're going somewhere warmer. I think like a Malta or something like that. What?
0: So. Oh man, yeah. I'm living vicariously through you, brother. I tell you, you flights are cheap over here. we get on this flight for like ten dollars. Have you? You got to go to Rotenburg? And you got to go, they have a, a huge shop there with handmade uh, Christmas ornaments, and it's open all year long, so if you oh, don't, you can still okay. make it in the Christmas Octave. But Rotenburg, the Walled City, it's fantastic.
10: Highly yeah, I heard it. about that When a Great Christmas market. I'm going to probably try to get there next year.
0: All right. Praise be to God. God bless you, David L. Gray. Check them out online at davidlgray.info. We'll see you next
10: week. Merry Christmas to you, David. Thank you. Merry Christmas.
0: Alright, coming up after the break is Fear and Trembling. Now, with Rudy gone, how are we gonna pull this off with only two people in the studio? Well, there's a twist, there's a plot twist. I'll tell you all about it. But if you want to play and possibly win, call right now 877 757 9424 Phone lines are open, waiting for your call. You could win 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Fear and Trembling is up next.
2: Why do Protestants not believe John 6 when it says that Jesus' flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink? I don't know.
7: In Matthew 26, Mark 14, and Luke 22, Jesus says of the bread, This is my body. He says of the wine, This is my blood. Not this is symbolic of, or this represents, he says this is. In John 6, he repeats himself like he does nowhere else in Scripture to emphasize the fact that he expects us to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and that his flesh is real food and that his blood is real drink. Anyone who says he is speaking symbolically and not literally simply is refusing to look at all the facts. Fact number one, the Jews took him literally. We see that in verse 52. Fact number two, his disciples took him literally. We see that in verse 60. Fact number three, the apostles took him literally, verses 67 to 69. If everyone who heard him speak at the time took him literally, then my question is, why does anyone today, 2,000 years after the fact, take him symbolically? Also, in verse 51 of John 6, Jesus says that the bread which he will give for the life of the world is his flesh. When did he give his flesh for the life of the world? On the cross. Was that symbolic? If you think Jesus is speaking symbolically here when he says that we must eat his flesh and drink his blood, then you must also conclude that Jesus' death on the cross was only symbolic. It wasn't really Jesus hanging up there. It was symbolic flesh and symbolic blood. Jesus is clearly talking about the flesh that he gave for the life of the world. He did that on the cross. Those who believe He is talking symbolically here in John 6 have a real problem when it comes to John 6, verse 51. Did Jesus give us His real flesh and blood for the life of the world? Or was it only His symbolic flesh and blood?
4: A beacon of truth in a troubled world. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul.
10: Joe McClain.
0: Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling, a Catholic trivia game show. I, I got your inhaler, Joe. With secrets and agendas that you can't tell anybody. And there's a plot twist. I'll tell you all about that in a second. But what we need most is a phone call. If you would like to play the game, be our contestant. Now is your opportunity. Phone lines are open. Adrian Fonseca standing by to take your call at 877 877- 757 9424 That phone number is wide open just for you right now. 877-757-9424. If you haven't played in a while, say a month or so, call back. It's your chance. 877-757-9424. If it's your first time, it's fun, it's easy, it's a good time. 877-757-9424 is that phone number. But there are a few things we like to do on the download, the QT We don't want to tell anybody, you know. We kind of keep it just between us, the FBI, Pentagon, and Twitter. But nonetheless, here's what we do. We teach the faith. We look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something you didn't know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to have a laugh, a good time. Our callers are legally obligated to laugh at our jokes. We appreciate that most. And then we give out prizes, which means this is a winner for everybody involved. Now... You could learn, you could laugh, you could win. But the kicker, the secret sauce is we do not ask the caller the questions. They don't need to know. They may not know a single correct answer but could still win our game. And the reason is because instead of asking them, I generally, normally would ask either Rudy or Adrian. They would, one of them would give us a correct answer. The other would give us an incorrect answer. The caller would then have 15 seconds on the clock to make a decision. Whom do they trust more? But since Rudy's on vacation... For the next week. Uh, we are, we're going to change it up today. We're going to do, instead of asking Rudy and Adrian, uh, what's going to happen is Adrian's going to ask me. The question is, do you trust me or not? Okay, am I giving you the right Am I leading you astray? Yes or no? True or false is how we're going to do it today. The caller will then have 15 seconds to make the decision. Whoops, do, do, do they really trust me at all? And then if they get that right... Then they go into the coffee cup at Divine Providence to win this week's prize. So, Curveball Central today. Let's see how it goes. Let's go to the phones. Good morning to you, Max. Yes. Max, how are you? Good morning. Great, great. How are you doing? Praise be to God, Max. I'm alive, and that counts. How are you?
4: <laughs> Blessed and highly favored. Hey, hey. Amen,
0: Max, uh, real quick, before we jump into the, uh, to the more important stuff, uh, have you already decorated for Christmas, Max?
4: Well, I
1: was thinking about what you said, but mm-hmm. yes, mm-hmm. I did. But I have not turned them on. Oh. I'm getting them ready to turn okay. them on. Okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see where you're going yeah. with that. That's Max. the way to do it. See, yeah. he's got he's got the Adrian strategy mm-hmm.
0: over here. Uh huh? <clears throat> Smart man. All right. Okay. Well, that counts. The, that counts. Praise be to God. All right, Max. Where do you go to church?
4: The Catholic Charismatic
0: Center. That's a uh, downtown Houston area, right? Yes, sir. All yes, right. Yes, Praise yes, be to God, Max. Now, do you? We've changed the rules today. So, wow. I'm, uh, Adrian's going to ask me the question, and I'm going to give you an answer. Your job will be to decide whether I'm giving you a correct answer or an incorrect answer. And then from there, we go into the coffee cup of Divine Providence. Are you ready to play, Max? I am. Are you sure? Yes, I'm sure. You should know, Max. I am not wearing a
1: tie. In fact... <laughs> Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever Mm -hmm. seen Joe wear a tie, Uh, especially not in the studio a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Last week. Definitely did not see that. So uh, did
0: not happen. Correlate that information to your advantage, Max. That's all I'm going to say.
1: That's all I'm going to say. Well, here we go, Max. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Question numero uno. I see. Which is French for number one. Got it. The Immaculate Conception is the patron patron patron. I can't Mm -hmm. speak Uh patron saint. Yeah. Of what country? Huh. Uh,
0: okay. So, the Immaculate Conception is the patron saint of what country? Of is your what question? country? Correct. I, of course, will answer uh, in the affirmative that the Immaculate Conception is the patron saint of the Amerigos. The Amerigos?
1: Yes. The Amerigos? Yes. What is Amerigos? The Amerigos. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. Max, mm-hmm. Uh, Joe is mm-hmm. saying that the Immaculate Conception mm-hmm. Is the patron saint yeah. of the Amerigos?: Yes. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know about you, Max, but uh, that this is up to you. Do you think that uh, Joe's mm-hmm. telling you a lie? you mm-hmm. think he's telling what? you the truth? Right. Are you calling him a truth, or are you calling right. him a liar? Let me know. Is Joe right or wrong, Max? What say you?:
4: uh,
10: Well, uh, he, is, uh,
1: he is a great guy, but I believe he's wrong. What?) <laughs> 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 Yes, you are correct. The answer is the United States of America. Or some might say these United States. Uh... I said Amerigo's. That's the guy whose
0: name we get America from. Amerigo Vespucci. Yeah. So these Amerigos,
1: these mm, Americas, mm, these mm, mm. I was sort of right. Sort yeah, sorta. Right. Mm, sor- yeah, S- sorta. Well, the unfortunate thing is, almost only counts with horseshoes and grenades. <laughs> well played, Max. You're in the cup. You could win. It's possible. By the way, I didn't mention, but the prize this week is every
0: Sacred Sunday Mass Journal. Uh, because uh, we know, Max, that you are highly distracted at, at mass, and you're going to need some focus. So you could win, and this will help you focus. But let's see if we can't get you in there for a second question a second time. Which means
1: mm-hmm. numero dose French again. Oh. No, that's actually Hebrew this time. Oh, I yes. see. It's uh, it's see. chos. No, numero dos means... Number two, I see, Hebrew. I see. Yes, I see. The, the question is, uh-huh. is membership in okay. Freemasonry oh, I see. permitted for Catholics? Which is good, because we were talking to two former Freemasons a second <laughs> ago. I'm just <laughs> saying. <Right. laughs> okay, so Joe, uh-huh. is membership in Freemasonry permitted well, for Catholics?
0: I have to say, I do not have advanced degrees in Freemasonics. Oh. However, I was once a, a third degree Master Mason in the Blue Lodge. Uh, before I became Catholic. But not the Green Lodge? Definitely not. Okay. Uh, so the answer to the question is, is membership in Freemasonry permitted for Catholics? No, according to canon law,
1: it is not. Oh, okay. Well, Max, Joe seems to think that you are not allowed to be a Freemason if you're a Catholic. Is he right? Is he wrong? Is he? Are you calling him a truther or are you calling him a liar? Let me know. Max, what say you? I do not know. But I don't think she knows you. No, man, he's not right. You think he's not right? You think you can be a Freemason and a Catholic?
10: Yes. Oh, oh sorry, Max. Okay. Well, I wasn't sure. Oh
0: no, no, Max, Freemasons wha- cannot. I would not be lead you astray, hey,
1: Max. Freemasons yeah. can't okay. be Catholic. In yeah. fact, it is an automatic excommunication <sighs> yes. if a Freemason if yeah. a Catholic becomes a Freemason. Yeah. We've talked about that on the show before. Oh.
0: Uh, yes. David O'Grady and I've uh, talked about that on a number of occasions. Both of us were Freemasons, um, and uh, yeah, so canon law does not allow for that for good reason. For good reason. Maybe we should talk about that again sometime soon. I think but so. but so. all right, Max, so. you must have missed it. You're right. in for one. You, you missed that one, but I think we can get you in there for this second one. This one. Easiest question, arguably, uh, ever asked another human person since the dawn of
1: time. Yes, that means we're going to numero Mm -hmm. tres, which, Joe, do you know what that means? What language Uh, that is? Japanese. Is it Japanese? Close. Close. It's actually Elvish Elvish. for number three. Tolkien, I I see. Yes. (laughs) This is Elvish for number three. Uh, What would
0: would Tom Bombadil do is the next
1: question. (laughs) Well, what wouldn't he do? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so number three, number three, Okay. And Elvish. Uh-huh. Number three is yeah. the Papal Fisherman's ring. Oh. Containing the name oh. mm-hmm. of the reigning Pope. Okay. Worn by the Pope. Uh-huh. Tough question. Uh,
0: Not as easy as I I purported in the beginning, Mm. but is the papal fisherman's ring containing the name of the reigning pope? That's the key The reigning pope. The reigning pope pope worn (laughs) by the pope. I'm going to go on a limb here and say yes. Yes? Yes. The guy with the red shoes, wearing the white habit, living at the Vatican Mm -hmm. in the garden,
1: wears a ring. With his name on it. Yes, possibly. Okay. All right. Well, Max, we got you got an you got an options here. Mm-hmm. Is Joe telling you the truth? Mm-hmm. Yes or no? Mm-hmm. Is the papal fisherman's mm-hmm. ring? I mean, the fisher the ring for the pope mm-hmm. containing the name of the reigning pope. Of is it worn by the pope? Is mm-hmm. it yes or is it no? Yes, Max. Totally so yes. Say so yes. Yes. What? Yes. <laughs>
10: oh!
9: Max!
0: Oh man, you made
9: that look easy, oh, Max. man. Max. Praise Joe. The god. Joe over what? here. What are you talking Joe about? Joe over no, here.
0: I was just uh uh-huh. I, I would it was all internal dialogue. Well what the are you good talking news, about?
1: Max, is that you are in the drawing three or no two times <laughs> two, two twice, times yeah. twice, for twice. the drawing. Yeah. And I know that you don't even need this gift. You're gonna give it away as a Christmas gift because yeah. I know you focus yeah. excellently at Max. Never nice. distracted. Preach. Remember nice. every nice. word nice. of the sermon. I know it. Yeah. I already know. Congratulations, Max hey brother thank
0: uh you. well done well played you're in for two you're gonna have to tune in on christmas Eve to know if it's god's holy will that you should win but i'm gonna put you on hold so don't go anywhere because we're gonna need your information by the way scott called in on monday scott if you're listening we need you to call back you hung up before we can get your information too uh but nonetheless max thanks for having a laugh with us today we really appreciate it
1: thank you thank you thank you guys
0: merry God christmas blessed. to you max to you and your family and uh Good job being disciplined, not cranking up those lights until Christmas starts. All right, that is going to do it for the radio side of our show. We're going to go into the after show and hang out with you directly and conversate with whatever you want to talk about. Go to grnonline.com forward slash cdt. We'll see you there, or we'll see you back here tomorrow
3: morning. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed
2: and inspired.
4: The Guadalupe Radio Network
2: now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi
1: in Corpus Christi, Texas.
5: Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. For more information, visit OurLadyOfCorpusChristi.org or Salt.net. We celebrate the memorial of St. Peter Canisius. We offer this Holy Sacrifice of the Mass for all of our online viewers. And all those listening to our late, the Guadalupe Radio Network. Oh, come thou day spring,
6: come and cheer Our spirits by then advent here. Disperse the gloomy clouds of night And as dark shadows put to flight Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O
5: Israel. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore I ask, Blessed Mary of a virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie
6: eleison, Kyrie <speaking> eleison, Christ <Hebrew> eleison, Christ eleison, Kyrie eleison. O God, who for the defense of the Catholic faith made the priest St. Peter Canisius strong in virtue and in learning, grant through his intercession that those who seek the truth may joyfully find you their God, and that your faithful people may persevere in confessing you through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, Who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever.
8: Reading from the Song of Songs, Hark, my lover, here he comes, springing across the mountains, leaping across the hills. My lover is like a gazelle. Or a young stag. Here he stands behind our walls, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattices. My lover speaks to me. He says to me, Arise, my beloved, my dove, my beautiful one, and come. For see, the winter is past, the rains are over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of pruning the vines has come, and the song of the dove is heard in our land. The fig tree puts forth its figs, and the vines in bloom give forth fragrance. Arise, my beloved, my beautiful one, and come. O my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the secret recesses of the cliff, let me see you, let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and you are lovely. The word of the Lord. Exalt you just in the Lord, sing to him a new song. Give thanks to the Lord on the harp. With the ten-stringed lyre, chant his praises. Sing to him a new song. Pluck the strings skillfully with shouts of gladness. Exalt you just in the Lord. Sing to him a new song. But the plan of the Lord stands forever, the design of his heart through all generations. Blessed the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen for his own inheritance. Exalt, you just in the Lord. Sing to him a new song. Our soul waits for the Lord, who is our help and our shield, for in him our hearts rejoice. In his holy name we trust. Exalt, you just in the Lord. Sing to him a new song. Alleluia,
6: Alleluia. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. O Emmanuel, our King and Giver of Law, come to save us, Lord our God. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia.
5: The Lord be with you a reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke Mary set out in those days and traveled to the hill country in haste to a town of Judah Where she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting the infant leapt in her womb And Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, cried out in a loud voice and said, Most blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how does this happen to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For at the moment the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the infant in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed are you who believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. The Gospel of the Lord there was a newly ordained transitional deacon father or deacon David who's now Father David, and he came to this chapel and we had a grounded in truth event on our third Saturday and I gave him this instruction he had to read that uh, that parable of the woman who grabbed Jesus' garment and was healed of a hemorrhage. And he had brought the Blessed Sacrament around. I said, bring him, Jesus around to all of the ends of the pews. Make the people sit on the ends of the pews. And I said, give each person 200 seconds. It's a long time. Because what happens when you give Jesus someone for 200 seconds, in a roomful of people, the effect is that Jesus has chosen that person for 200 seconds of their life. And the, the result is usually about five seconds in, the person makes the sign of the cross and they say, okay, thank you, Jesus. That's enough. That's enough. I, I, don't get too close. Don't give too, too much love to me. Don't choose me that much. It's like a feeling of unworthiness. And usually at that point, when the celebrant <laughs> doesn't move away, and the, you know, you're you invited to touch the humeral veil of Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament, uh, they start weeping. Because they realize that God is choosing them for that moment of their life. Even though in a room full of people, in a, in a church full of people, that person is the most important person in the room to Jesus. And the, the problem is that in Advent, we're, and especially with these readings that juxtaposed to each other about the lover leaping over the hills and overcoming obstacles to see his beloved and the Blessed Mother going to the hill country and, and you know overcoming a bunch of obstacles to help her cousin Elizabeth, is God the distance that Jesus came from heaven to earth. It is not a geographical distance. It's obstacles placed on our part because we don't think we deserve him. And we don't. But that's not why he comes. He comes because he loves us. He chooses us out of the sheer gratuitous mercy of his will. He loves us and he cannot stop loving us. He covenants himself with us. And the incarnation has a big obstacle to overcome in your heart. Do you think you deserve God? Well, obviously, no. We don't deserve God. He doesn't come to us because we're worthy. He comes to us so as to make us worthy. He loves us so as to prepare us to to unfold our hearts. But we have a big hill or obstacle or, or mountains that he happily leaps over, like the beloved. Is that we we push God away and we say, "Don't love me too much, God. Don't come that close to me." And Advent is a time when we have to try to ask God for the grace to overcome that self-pity, that wounded pride. That's Advent's a time when we fill in the valleys and lay low the mountains. The opposite can be true also. Someone can have a presumption like, well, of course God's come to me. Well, if that case, God hasn't really come to you because you don't have that mark of soul that is characteristic of a soul united with God that is humility, where you don't have either presumption or despair, but you have that beautiful Advent gift of waiting in joyful hope for the coming of our Saviour. That joyful hope. So, my dear friends, today let us pray and ask God for that, that gift of joyful hope, that we can level that mountain of of presumption, but more importantly, fill in that valley of despair that says, don't love me too much, God, don't come too close. That transitional deacon said it was one of the most life-changing moments of his life. It was such a powerful experience for him to bring Jesus to so many people and to see that reaction. Incidentally, it should be funny, funnily noted, there was a couple of religious sisters, some salt sisters in the crowd. They exactly had the exact opposite reaction, by the way. They wouldn't let go of the humeral veil. Which is, <laughs> when you're consecrated to God, you already know he doesn't come to you because you deserve him. He comes to you because you need him, and as a consecrated soul to beg God for graces... For those who need him the most As part of that consecration Let us pray through the intercession of St. Peter Canisius A great apostle of Germany Who overcame many, many obstacles In preaching the faith In a very volatile uh, Protestant Germany Who overcame so many obstacles In giving God glory But also bringing souls to Jesus In the fullness of truth Let us bring our petitions to the Lord We pray for the whole church that it may shine forth in joyful hope waiting for our Savior this Advent and that Christ may be born in a new way in the church this Christmas. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our Holy Father, all bishops and priests, through the intercession of St. Peter Canisius, that be faithful to the deposit of faith. For this we pray to the Lord. We pray for our government leaders, that they may not obstruct the gospel. We pray for an end to abortion, same-sex unions, gender confusion, and human trafficking. For these, we pray to the Lord. We pray that we may have a certain advent hope in seeing Jesus in his disguise of the sick, the suffering, the dying, the poor, the needy, the lost, the forsaken. For this, we pray to the Lord we pray for all of our beloved dead that they may enter the Father's eternal glory. We pray to the Lord. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us. We make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ. And through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary's, we pray together. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen.
6: Jesus, I be thee. Jesus, I be thee. Jesus, I be thee. I believe in you. Jesus, I trust. Jesus, I trust. Jesus, I trust. I trust in you. Jesus, I love. Jesus, I love. Jesus, I love.
5: I love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Be pleased, O Lord, to accept the offerings of your church, for in your mercy you have given them to be offered, and by your power you transform them into the mystery of our salvation through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. With your lift up your hearts.
8: We lift them up to the Lord.
5: Let us give thanks to the Lord our God.
8: It is, right and just.
5: it is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For all the oracles of the prophets foretold him. The Virgin Mother longed for him with love beyond all telling. John the Baptist sang of his coming and proclaimed his presence when he came. It is by his gift that already we rejoice at the mystery of his nativity, so that he may find us watchful in prayer and exultant in his praise. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory. As without end, we acclaim
6: Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, Pleni Unce Lea Gloria Tuva, Hosanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini,
5: especially with the most blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, blessed Joseph, her spouse, your blessed apostles and glorious martyrs, with St. Peter Canisius and with all the saints on whose constant intercession in your presence we rely for unfailing help. May this sacrifice of our reconciliation, we pray, O Lord, advance the peace and salvation of all the world. Be pleased to confirm in faith and charity your pilgrim church on earth with your servant, Francis, our Pope,
6: Receptis salutaribus moniti, et divini institutioni formati, Audehimus dicere, Pater noster, qui es in celis, Sanctificetur nomen tuum, Adveniat regnum tuum, Fiat voluntas tua, secut in celo et in terra, Panem nostrum cotidehanum, tan hobis ho et etemeten nobis debetan nostra, sicut et DA dabetore bos nostris, et me nos induca sententatio honem, sed libera nosa
5: mahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days. The peace of the Lord be with you always.
6: Anya stay. Quit all respect of the mundane. Misara no hope. Anya stay. Quit all no on you stay Great holy speck donna no me
5: Behold the Lamb of God Behold him who takes away the sins of the world blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb I'm not worthy that you should enter under my roof But only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Communion Antiphon Blessed are you who have believed that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled.
6: VENI, VENI, EMMANUEL CAPTIVUM SOVE ISRAEL QUIC EMIT EN EXILIO PREVATUS TEI FILIO CAUDE, CAUDE a Nascetur hell, Nashe Tor Protei Israel. Bene, Veni, Bene, Rex, Chahenti, whom Bene, Redemptor, oh, whom, who'd De catisimi conchios CAUDE, caudec am I know let us pray. Lord, may participation in this divine mystery provide enduring protection for your people so that being subject to your glorious majesty and dedicated service, they may know abundant health in mind and body through Christ our Lord. Amen.
5: The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ.
6: On Jordan's bank, the Baptist cry announces that the Lord is nigh. Awake and hearken, for he brings glad tidings of the King of kings. Then cleanse be every breast from sin, make straight the way of God within. Prepare we in our wretched home, where such a mighty guest may come. For thou art our salvation, Lord. Our refuge and our great reward. Without thy grace we...
5: The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen
2: thy
7: peace always in the name of christ our lord amen
4: transmitting the treasures of our catholic faith to your radio every day this is the guadalupe radio network radio for your soul
5: You're listening to KSHJ 14 14-